Hello and welcome to the next episode of Research VR, where we try to dig deeper inside the current insights of virtual reality and try to map it upon the research that is happening around virtual reality and has happened before. Today we have a special guest, Nima Ashkari, and as usual, our lovely co-host Azad Balabanian. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. Well, Hi, Peter. How are you doing, guys? I'm really excited to do this. Uh, VR is hot. Drones are hot. Let's combine them, it's going to boil. Exactly. Today's topic is on drones and virtual reality. And you might ask yourself, okay, those flying machines, what exactly have to do with virtual reality? And we will actually live today as this mystery. So maybe you could start off and introduce yourself, Nima. Who are you? What have you been doing? Yeah, I'm I'm sitting with Petr here. I just came back to Osnabrück, where uh, we, both of us, we study cognitive science. I took about um, half a year Uh, time off from university uh, to start uh, my startup in Berlin and uh, just came out of my own personal interest and research. Uh, I was working on uh, you know all kinds of drones and then at the end uh, I went through an accelerator program. It looked like a business. We got uh, angel financing and then uh, started a company back in 2015. Uh, what we did was n very boring actually, industrial drones. <laughs> to make them really autonomous. So the science part of it is interesting. Uh, and it gave me a broad knowledge about the drone space and the technology behind it. Uh, we didn't really have much to do with virtual reality, but you know, being in Berlin, such a creative place, uh, people come to us and we happen to uh, have uh, geniuses who did all kinds of crazy things with VR, drones, uh, FPV racing, things that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, amazing. looking forward to having this conversation and mm. sharing whatever I know. So last time we actually spoke about medical usage and virtual reality that was very industrial. So I think that our audience, and we hope that our audience is the same opinion as we have, you know, is actually interested in industrial stuff. And if your audience is listening there and you want to comment on something, you know, feel free to email us. Once again, we are reliable, we are really reliable on your feedback and we don't have much yet. However, our audience numbers are really rising. Um, now coming more towards the drone. So what exactly have your drones have been doing? You have done something with SLAM, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the big problem that we had to solve was mapping the environment around the drone. Uh, usually the drones that you see on the market, they just rely on GPS. So you give them some kind of path and then they fly. Uh, It's, 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 it's very uh, useful when you don't have any kind of obstacle and, and you know, it's outdoor. But if you have uh, complex structures, you cannot rely on uh, you know, external positioning, basically GPS. Uh, so the problem that we addressed was how do we map the environment in real time and localize the drone and that you call a SLAM. As far as I know, it's also a very uh, useful technique for virtual reality yeah, and exactly. AR. AR is in fact uh, much closer to uh, autonomy for drones than virtual reality because you have this perception mm -hmm. part. Differences with uh, our drones in industrial scenarios, you have tens, hundreds of meters of range that you need to cover with cameras or lidars. But with AR, it's kind of short range. Mm -hmm. But but there, there's a lot of overlap, and uh, the the goal is to have a drone that doesn't need to get uh, points to navigate. It gets an object, recognizes the object based on a 3D model, and then takes care of everything else. So obstacle avoidance is a part of it, mapping is a part of it, and uh, it's, it's basically a conjunction of 
having uh, onboard autonomy with the ability to uh, recognize objects in very larger scale. Mm -hmm. And we have actually spoken before on one of the podcasts about the new HTC Vive camera that, uh, you know, apparently not only drones need to avoid obstacles, but also humans. <laughs> in a certain way, you don't want to bump into the table when you have the... I mean, how, so how, how's your drones kind of mapping out the outside world around it and what kind of what, what are you using lidar are you using cameras are you doing edge edge detection it's it's basically um, uh it's mainly based on lidar so there's this company called velodyne they used to supply google cars with uh, the, those bumpy things that they have on top mm -hmm. and uh, they're uh, the leading manufacturer of uh, 3d lidars And uh, this gives you a lot of things for free that you don't get if you just use cameras and you want to do uh, visual odometry just based on vision. So uh, LiDARs are very reliable. They're a proven technology. Uh, they're industrial grade. And uh, the first thing that you get almost for free is obstacle detection. So you don't crash, and that's very important. And then the second part uh, uh, is uh, it, it gives you a very nice map. You still need to apply some algorithms. And uh, the, our magic sauce uh, is basically to do this in real time. There are companies who do post-processed maps, but to be able to do this very efficiently on something like one core of a Raspberry Pi uh, in real time, that's, hmm. that's something that uh, needs some time and work. So uh, this, this, when you have the map, then the next step is to uh, know where you are and where is your target. And then the rest is, uh, I don't say trivial, but, but you have... You know, almost 90% of the problem solved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's actually possible to have, let's say, in your smartphone or some kind of VR goggles and build some nice slam hardware that, you know, detects the room around you in real time and is actually being capable of detecting it? I, I, I think the, there's a lot going on. The two major uh, developments are uh, Project Tango from Google. Mm -hmm. Uh, that one was, in fact, already put on a couple of drones, one in, I think, Munich and our one, uh, University of Pennsylvania, Grasp Lab. So they, they put these, uh, it's like a phone. I, I, we actually had it for a hackathon. It's very nice. You, you, oh, have, you have a the, tiny Kinect inside it. Uh, is it a phone or is it the tablet that they were doing, the Project Tango both. developer? I think for they're, the drone, it makes sense to have the phone. It's, yes. it's lighter. Right, right. I didn't know they had the phone yet because they're, creating, they're releasing one with Lenovo. I think we spoke the second episode about it. You remember yeah. when we had this confusion yeah. about this Intel phone that supports both Tango yeah, and RealSense? Yeah, exactly. I think it's this one. Yeah, and another one is RealSense. So I, I was actually lucky to get uh, RealSense quite early in end of 2013 i guess uh, applied, they had, right yeah they, uh, we were a finalist for intel perceptual computing challenge so um, it, i think it has changed a lot now they rely more on a stereo mm -hmm. than uh, this kind of projection of ir patterns but uh, these are the two giants uh, uh, titans of the industry who are working on perception one of them project tango another one real sense Of course, there are other companies who just have, you know, stereo or monocular cameras, but uh, you definitely have a lot of space for, uh, you know, transfer from robotics to VR, AR, and the opposite. Amazing. The 
computer vision, I mean, is so transferable from everything from, you know, just normal AI to VR to self-driving I mean, cars. And that's exactly, yeah, exactly. So this overlap is basically this technology growing and it's spreading out to all these different offshoots. So that's where, you know, all of these things can come in together. Definitely. Um, I mean, you're talking about inside out, inside out positional tracking, right? Uh, f- from what we've been hearing from John Carm. Is it John Carmack? What's his first yeah, name? Yeah, John Carmack. Yeah. John, John Carmack. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's, he himself is working on yes. inside-out positional tracking. Uh, and I'm guessing they're using two cameras. Like, that's probably the simplest way. And that's what is uh, rumored for the Galaxy S7. Um, and I believe the Note 6 is that it's going to have, like, two cameras uh, doing some kind of real-time posi- positional tracking. Um, I mean, how do you see does advancements in the VR industry, do you see that applying into the drones like right out of the box or is the drone kind of positional tracking a lot better already? And it's more of like the VR VR companies are catching up to drones now. What do you think? Maybe I'm biased, but I think uh, the drone research community or in general robotics, aerial robotics, they, they're, uh, they're ahead of uh, the VR industry. Maybe VR, the research, as far as I know, has been going on like robotics for quite some time. Uh, but the you know, mainstream real-world application of r- field robots happened earlier than VR. VR is you know, now being commercialized, but ro- robots were already on the field for more than 10, 15 years. So uh, there's a little bit more um, experience there, but uh, there's uh, the same uh, tendency to uh, miniaturize everything, simplify, make algorithms more efficient to run on, uh, you know, mobile processors. There's a lot which is in common. And um, most probably in, in like two, three years, not even five years, uh, you're going to see exactly the same sensor, most probably from Intel, uh, on a drone, consumer drone, smaller drones, not not large military or industrial. And then the same thing on a phone or laptop or tablet or goggle. So it, uh, there, there's a lot in common and uh, it, it, it's great for you know, both industries. I think VR uh, is going to be a larger market in the beginning and then maybe the next uh, you know five years because you don't you don't <laughs> need to get FAA permission to to wear your VR goggle yeah. uh, but but at the end uh, you know we'll see which industry is going to eat up the other exactly. one exactly uh, yeah I I don't know if that is true if if I, if VR is going to be bigger than drones I mean even initially I sorry if if you guys are hearing construction noise outside it's they're literally right outside my window for some reason. Probably filter um, it out with aggressive filters. I hope so. <laughs> um, Nima, I mean, because drones are going to be used for so many things and from industrial to enterprise to just, you know, personal use. I mean, I think VR obviously is going to fit into all three categories there, but like the having the, the ability to transport something with drones, I think is definitely going to take things to another level in terms of like I, I, probably 30 40 years from now like my vision is that i'm going to look up in the sky and i'm, I'm going to see kind of drones going in grid-like shapes kind of like coruscant in star wars if you're if you know what i'm talking about um i absolutely think there's just going to be things flying around and who knows i guess we'll probably all be wearing augmented reality glasses instead of just you know, <laughs> sitting in a room doing vr but we will all um, be glass holes 
glass yes, yeah, yes. That, 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 you know ar and drones uh the, the, that that's something that i hope to do my thesis on to combine uh kind of gaze tracking and augmented reality uh, uh goggles with uh, a new uh, method of interaction for drones that, that maybe we could talk about in the future part absolutely second, but um it might be interesting for our audience if they get some kind of intro to the whole drone space. I, I assume everybody know, knows it. quite mm -hmm. a lot about drones, but just wanted to give you some kind of overview. Uh, so uh, you could actually divide the whole thing uh, besides the military applications into three segments. You have these you know, tiny uh, drones that are even sub-professional. You, you use them as toys almost, or it's more for, mostly for entertainment. Uh, they're costing up to 1200 under 1K. And then you have another segment of drones that are being used for professional applications, filming, so they can carry you know, larger cameras, uh, DJI is in that space playing. Uh, and then you have these uh, very expensive, you know, compared to the consumer drones, they cost like 20K, 30K, 50K, up to uh, whatever, half a million, that they're mm -hmm. used for industrial applications, for search and rescue, for longer endurance missions. And what is probably more interesting for the audience of your uh, talk show or for your podcast is um, the the first one and second one. So you have these tiny drones that are becoming more capable, like Parrot is playing in this space and uh, they're kind of uh, innovating all the time. They have the Beepop 2 now. Uh, and then uh, for the uh, more professional filming, you have uh, DJI, which is leading the market virtually. They have, uh, I think, over 95% market share at the moment. And uh, what uh, might be really interesting is uh, you have these, uh, you know, surround 360 experiences in virtual reality. They're now uh, mostly uh, virtual, really, so they're computer generated. But uh, it, with drones, you could, uh, you know, mount uh, 360 uh, cameras on them and then go wherever you want, capture and, you know, l very large environment and then either map the texture to some kind of computer generated model or just use this 360 footage. Uh, so th this is really exciting. I'm not actually sure if 360 video is the same thing as VR, probably not. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. what I was told by Azad was if you have head tracking, it kind of counts as VR. So I take his word. And, um, <laughs> and <laughs> he is our right. expert. Yeah. Uh -huh. I just said it there. It starts to kind of bleed into the VR territory when you have head tracking. But yes, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So um, then, you know, if, if you look at uh, what is already out there, I, I cannot think of a VR drone. There was an AR mm -hmm. drone, which uh, kind of worked, and, but didn't become uh, a, a serious platform that, that Pirate hoped. You, mostly researcher used you know it. You the name? Uh, oh. AR Drone 1 and AR Drone 2 from Parrot. So it, it, it was oh, a really okay. great platform for researchers to do all kinds of vision uh, uh, and robotics uh, things on top. So how did that work or what did you use as, how, what was the AR, AR part of it? Like, did you use a phone or was it a, was a head mounted display? Uh, I think back then uh, the head mounted displays were not hot. So they, you mm -hmm. just had your iPad 
And uh, the way it worked was you put some kind of uh, AR tag on another drone or something in the environment that the, the onboard uh, processor of the drone can uh, recognize and then it augments something on top. So you could have like uh, uh, the drone fights uh, in mid-air and you could see a missile literally going and hitting the other drone. Mm-hmm. And it would kind of shut down. That 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 was really cool, and it was uh, the first uh, smart drone. So mm-hmm. ba- until then, you just had RC uh, toys. So it was just a remote control thing. But this one from Parrot actually put some uh, computational power on board, and then it it gave birth to a whole new. Uh, kind of generation of uh, more intelligent drones. Uh, what they have now is uh, is kind of targeted at, at uh, entertainment and just you know filming more in the direction of DJI, which is the the largest company. And it's quite exciting because uh, it has a fisheye lens. It's very wide angle. Is it so, Bebop, right? Yeah, Bebop and Bebop Two. Uh, so you you can uh, connect uh, all kinds of uh, these uh, VR goggles uh, with head tracking, and then it has some kind of virtual gimbal. It does a, a digital video stabilization, so you can look around uh, despite the drone being uh, still not not moving. So that mm-hmm. that that's really exciting. And that's for motion sickness purposes, I'm guessing is not just for for recording but i'm guessing if it's move, shaking around and moving then it might definitely would make you motion sick definitely it must be some stabilization to people don't mm, actually, yeah, you know yeah. get sick and and so this is one approach that you have a kind of fish eye or a half a spherical lens that uh you don't need any kind of gimbal but uh, there is another approach that uh, uh, people already, I think, from two two years ago, they started building these 360 rigs uh, with a lot of GoPros, four, six, eight, nine, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can 3D print something and then uh, yeah, yeah. just uh, shoot 360 video, and then they use post processing to match it, uh, to stitch it together. This is one way, but now you're seeing uh, more and more consumer 360 cameras that you can mount on drones. What I personally would love to see is a real VR drone. So, mm. so a drone which is uh, purpose-built for capturing 360 content. Maybe that's what GoPro is working on. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but GoPro uh, even mm-hmm. acquired the Swiss mm-hmm, company mm-hmm. Skybotics and they're working on drones. They really need this kind of innovation. GoPro's uh, stock market, yes. yeah, they, they they really went down like eighty percent in one year. So they need this kind wow. of innovation. Nima, Nima, did you see the video they put out? Like I think a month or two ago, that was from their drone footage. Have you? Had, yeah, I, I've see seen it, but it, from, it had nothing about it being three sixty. So probably that's not going right. To it was just extremely stable, is what I remember seeing from the video, um, and the the video quality was like quite superb. And I was talking to a drone friend of mine who was very impressed. But I'm, I mean, they kind of have to be going down a 360 round. If if Nokia and Nikon and like literally every other camera manufacturer is doing it just for the hell of it, even even Nokia with the Ozo. Um, Actually, I think I saw a drone, a very expensive drone with like 10 different rotors was flying an Ozo. Uh, wow. do, do you know the, the Ozo? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like ten, twenty, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, Peter, is it? Exactly. Yeah. So how, how heavy is it? It is not very heavy, but it's, the cartridges it's are... Big. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not very huge, but the cartridges that you put in that have an SSD storage, inside, right. storage yeah. stuff are super expensive too. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about cameras. I mean, you did some heavy research on 360 and 180 cameras. You have even one yourself from Kodak. 
Uh, yeah, more than one. So, uh, the Kodak yes, has one. something like uh, SP360. It's, it's very fun. Um, but I think um, uh, we are going to see more uh, companies coming out with consumer 360 cameras. Uh, there, there are like 360 Fly, there's Kodak, there's Theta, all of them. Um, as I said, I, I'm I'm a drone guy, and I hope to see somebody really tightly integrate these cameras with a drone. Because uh, look, w the problem is you have these rotors that occlude the the you know the, the area around the the props, the propellers, and that doesn't give you a clean output. So one way to do it is to have a really really complex setup that I saw one or two months ago in Berlin. You put uh, something like a spider around the drone. Whoa. with mechanical stabilization and uh, like six cameras all around the vehicle that makes it really heavy and huge. Mm -hmm. that, the drone that I saw was like more than two meters wide. Yes. Uh, and then you, ha I think you don't have enough overlap in that kind of setup. The, the, the distance between the lenses are very huge. So what, what you, you need is some kind of uh, spherical shaped drone that's really hard to solve the problem, the mechanical propulsion problem. Yeah, but right. uh, th that's what you need. Like the Prometheus, I don't know if you remember the movie, they had mm -hmm. these tiny balls that they threw in the air and they just go around and scan everything. So that, that's, that's kind of the right. drone. There is actually such a camera, right? That you throw in the air? Uh, oh, but it doesn't stay. Really? It's Panono. It, it Panono. has, I don't know, like over a hundred uh, megabytes, uh, sorry, megapixel uh, resolution. Uh, it has wow. a lot of uh, tiny cameras, and then you throw it in the air for a moment. It detects the the highest point and then captures the thing, but falls down. You didn't you talk to them? I think at some point. But it's not really uh, drone friendly. That yeah, thing okay, is, is a little bit big, and it doesn't uh, capture video. It's, it's as far as I know, it's just for photos. Mm. Okay. So What's bit, it called? Uh, Panono. Panono. It's a mm. Berlin-based uh, hardware startup. Hmm. Apparently, it's in my history. <laughs> Interesting. I've been on their website. Yeah, it's like a bowl with a lot of cameras. You throw it up, and the moment it's kind of stabilized in the air before it falls down, it makes a lot of oh, photos yes, and yes. stitches them together. So, is there like That's any other special cameras, or maybe the Samsung one? Uh, the one from Samsung is not very drone friendly. So, uh -huh. I think they have something called Project Beyond. Yeah. Um, have you played with that? No, it's. I. I don't think yeah. anybody. Has, no. has acts it's not commercially available um, no. but another area that uh, you could have uh, you know, drones plus VR or at least uh, the kind of experience of having head mounted displays is drone racing and that that's a very uh, recent and hot topic um, before we go into drone racing which uh -huh. is you know very interesting and actually more tightly connected to VR and augmented reality maybe you could actually tell us what are the limitations currently available drones have on the market let's say in terms of weights they can carry and also the fly time because if you imagine a camera will always have some weight and if you put a rig of gopros even when the rig is not very heavy you know it adds more friction to the air and other things so the drone has you know to fight it so what's actually possible right now is let's say high level consumer expensive but still consumer drone well, uh, really, everything is possible, and uh, <laughs> well. you can you can have a custom built drone that lifts a human being or fifty kilogram, twenty kilogram. You, you don't have any limit there, but uh, the the more accessible, like uh, you know, lower range drones that people can buy, like the DJI Phantom or Inspire, uh, 
they can't carry much more weight than the one camera that they have. Mm-hmm. So it's like one mm-hmm. GoPro. Uh, it would fly like, I don't know, three or five minutes if you put a complete 360 rig. Mm-hmm. It's not a very good idea. Uh, what you could do is um, get one of these uh, smaller uh, wide-angle lens uh, 360 cameras like the Ricoh Theta. Ricoh Theta. Yeah, yeah. That, that one, I think I saw somebody put it on a drone. You still need to stabilize it. That That's not very standardized yet, uh, but that that's a solution that you can have to so buy these that's, things. That's probably the simplest way, right, is having two 180 cameras, like a Theta, like, the the Nikon one that's coming out and uh-huh. um, I mean that's they're all going to be that GoPro size it's uh, 180 on the front 180 in the back and it looks like a cube and I've seen a couple of them already so I mean it's the in terms of like resolution it's definitely not not that good like the Rico Theta it's like ugh I've seen you try to watch video from it and it's not that good you know which is the reason why I don't I didn't buy it but um, so can you see, I mean, 360 live video with head tracking kind of being a thing instead of it being on a gimbal that you're moving around? I mean, that's what you can do with the DJI Phantom right now with, um, I think it was, I saw it with the Avagant Glyph. Exactly. It was the, it was the head track. Yes. With yeah, the yeah. Head tracking. Um, I think can you that, talk more about that? Yeah. What we did ourselves with our drone was uh, just for fun. We put uh, an, was it Kodak SP360? Uh, so if you put it under the drone, you can see more than 180 degrees around it. it more than that is not really useful because you, you have the propellers and you know, there's the occlusion, it becomes ugly. Uh, and uh, as you said, there's this issue with uh, mechanical gimbals that. Uh, you only see one viewpoint. If you have multiple uh, viewers at the same time, they cannot look in different directions. Maybe they want to do that. So it's it's kind of a, at the moment, you, you can have a, a kind of a head-mounted display experience from drones in real time with good quality, like Full HD in near real time. But uh, there is a pilot and a co-pilot who are right. acting like a director and they, they, they show you what they want you to see. It's, it's uh, useful for like tourism. If you go to, I don't know, Paris doesn't allow people, but it would be nice, let's say in another city, uh, Berlin, you go to Berlin, you want to have some kind of bird's eye view of the city, uh, the historical sites, and then uh, you put this goggle on your face and then just go into a, an aerial trip of the whole city. Uh, but it would be nice to have uh, 360 with virtual gimbaling, so anybody could look wherever they want. That is not yet figured out completely. So you have like maybe one issue is the uh, uh, bandwidth that you need for uh, transmitting really good quality Im- uh, live video. And latency, obviously. Yeah, La- latency is, is fine if it's not for, I don't know, piloting or inspection or industry. If it's just for tourism, they, they don't True. see the drone uh, exactly where it is, so they don't get that kind of motion sickness that in, in the in synchrony between the movement of the camera and then. Mm-hmm. So it's fine if it's not real time completely, but mm-hmm. it just needs a lot of bandwidth, and uh, it's not like a consumer solution yet. That would be a nice, uh, you know, innovation, and it, it, all the pieces exist, but it's it's not a complete experience yet. Absolutely. 
Um, I mean, this is kind of starting to kind of bleed into telepresence, uh, if, if you'd agree. I mean, in terms of like, they have these telepresence robots that you can go move around with just your computer and, and, you know, there you are. Um, how, what about like adding actually, I know obviously it's adding weight, but like adding arms to a robot so that you could use something like a connect or leap motion, uh, and use its head tracking, but then also use the arms the same way you would with your own arms. Um, and there you are, you're flying around, you you land, you you play with whatever, um, especially you think of like, uh, underwater drones or the underwater kind of oil rigs that that always have the problems, you know, they always have to send some kind of a machine down there or sometimes they have to go down there themselves. Um, that, that's, uh, that, that goes into the direction of like industrial inspection. Uh, we, I mean, we hope that it's going to be autonomous so you won't have pilots, but people might like to actually do it uh, manually. So assuming that is, it is done manually, you could have this. And then, uh, uh, regarding the arms, uh, it, it's, a l- it's a little bit tough. There's research going on for uh, you know aerial grasping, and it has some applications. Um, I think you saw everybody saw the video of the uh, Dutch eagle uh, uh, attacking a yeah. drone. So uh, no, I actually haven't seen that. You haven't seen that we one. We'll post it in the show notes. It's, it's all sure. over my Facebook timeline. <laughs> yeah, over mine too. I, I'm tired. It's because you're a friend of mine on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you said it's an eagle or Yes, a they trained an eagle to actually attack a drone. So, I mean, right now everyone is super afraid of those 14 minutes long flying things. I mean, yeah, it can, you know, fly 14 minutes. Oh, my God, we have to catch it. So they're building, you know, different concepts. Like in Japan, they have anti-drone drones that have a net to catch the drones. <laughs> and apparently they're train, training, you know, eagles. I just saw it, yeah, I just, yeah, I just yeah. saw the but video, that's fantastic. there is this fantastic. nice research that you showed me with this uh, eagle arm being actually yeah. built for a drone. What was you know the name? University of Pennsylvania yes. Grass Laboratory. It's, uh, I think, Vijay Kumar is the name of the professor. Uh, but but for industrial applications, ground robots are, are more practical. So you, you can have uh, a telepresence uh, experience and with uh, arm tracking, uh, that that sounds like a very useful thing to do with uh, virtual reality or t- telepresence. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe for people who are a little bit more interested in the research part, uh, you also once talked about this institute that does a lot of things. Uh, with drones, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there are two in uh, Zurich. Uh, it's kind of the mecca for aerial robotics now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, the uh, flying machine Arena, I think .org or .com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, Raffaello de Andrea. And uh, there's another one, uh, a younger professor called Davide Scaramuzza. He has the robotics and perception group at University of Zurich. So the other one was ETA Zurich. This one's University of Zurich. If you like to see cool stuff with drones, uh, visual odometry, slam, everything, uh, just go to these guys, just search Zurich drone and then yeah. you'll see all the videos. We will also put it in the show notes. Yeah. Now let's switch to our VR race drone thingy. Yeah, yeah. So Actually, yeah. Okay. Go on. before that, you you just touched on research. I mean, um, do you see research kind of fueling your vision as to where you see drones going or what is applicable? Like, 
how 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 much lit review do you do? I mean, actually, you you're a university student, is what yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I take. Um, so I'm guessing you are reading a lot of uh, drone lit literature. Like, what are you seeing that's happening in the research field that you see will be applicable? Let's say like next year by, or by two years. Um, I, I think uh, and then we'll talk about FPV. To if you want to see what's uh, transferable to VR, I think uh, the new uh, uh, monocular slam approaches are the way to go. And uh, I actually talked to Professor Skarmutza. He he explained to me why they they went for one camera instead of even a stereo. They're sure, working yeah. with these really tiny drones that are like the size of a palm of your hand, and uh, in that kind of little space, it doesn't really make sense to have a stereo. They just use the uh, structure from motion, so that just the movement of the camera gives you kind of a stereo. So I think that that's the the hot trend. One reason is it's uh, it's a very uh, uh, cheap and uh, lightweight uh, setup. So the computational power you can get it very cheap. The cameras are normal cameras. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of innovation going there and it makes a lot of sense also for consumer drones because uh, virtually all of them already have a camera. So uh, there's a company called uh, Skydio uh, from uh, Silicon Valley uh, who is uh, going to become OEM supplier of obstacle avoidance and navigation software for consumer drones. So they, they don't need any kind of extra sensors. They just use a camera and it's uh, most probably enough for consumer drones. They, they don't have anything now. There are a couple of industrial drones coming out with obstacle avoidance, but for the consumer ones, uh, they have the processing part, they have the camera. What's missing is really just the software. So I think in, in that direction, we're going to see a lot of innovation. MIT, uh, they're uh, doing a lot with uh, fixed wing and also uh, multi-rotors uh, research and you know, uh, maneuvering with just a camera in cluttered environments. Zurich, they're doing stuff. And uh, I think that's the way forward. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Um, I'm I'm guessing you've seen the video uh, or the paper on drones making bridges just by using those strings and ropes. I mean, they were very small strings. You saw that, right? That's I mean, that's that's fascinating, and I'm I'm glad someone is doing research in that field where using multiple drones to work together. Uh, obviously, it was in a room with you have cameras all over. You know, that's how they do their thing. But like if like you said, by using uh, monocular cameras you can actually uh have better positional tracking than mm -hmm. uh you can see this going places and i'm guessing that's why the vive also uses only one camera it's because the the head is always moving pretty much when you're wearing a vr headset so you don't really need two if you can just get away with away with one like i was always wondering like why the hell does the vive only have one if they're trying to do a chaperone system with well depth. my guess is, is first of all they're not using an rgb camera but a depth camera and there because you have time of flight you have not really the need of two cameras like the connect also uses just one but virtually you have two because you can um like superimpose on the information you have from the time of flight and the camera position uh, where this the information is um and also what the vive maybe indeed has is that because it has head tracking it kind of can track itself in the space right so, then so it, it doesn't have has, external camera tracking no it has it has a tool but 
Oh yeah, actually, it has also external camera tracking. Yeah, yes. I, I don't like that. It's it's just it, it's it constrains you to to sitting behind your desk or being no, staying in your no. room. No, I mean so. yes and no. Uh, one important thing about the HTC Vive is the precision. I mean, mm -hmm. let's be honest. I have not seen this inside-out system that is so amazingly working. And those things are not real cameras; they are laser images. Those aren't inside-in or inside-out, by the way. Those exactly. are outside-in. Exactly. In. Sure, but but uh, yes. Yeah, go ahead. But but the camera is is exactly. not for positional tracking. It's it's so it shows you what the things around you are. So you don't bump into walls and bump oh, into exactly, cables. Exactly. That's what it's for. That that that's really great. That, but the laser, I'm gonna get one. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, the moment we can get one, <laughs> exactly. But the lasers are really amazing because um, the Oculus, as it seems, uses cameras to track you and also your head movement. But mm -hmm. they have actually the trackers on the device. Mm -hmm. But the laser emitters that they use for reference point are actually on the ceiling, so you can have a very large room that you can run around. Apparently, but honestly, these things don't don't impress me yet. I, the day that I see somebody has have to something it. like a Google Glass yeah, with just one sure, camera, sure. maybe just IMU, uh, just IMU plus one camera. If if yeah. they can do everything robustly, that, then I'm impressed. No, no, me not, too. Not but yet. It's at least it works. You know, way better and less <laughs> clunky than before, right? Yeah. So I drone think racing. Drone racing. So we we talked a lot about uh, just uh, 360 or surround uh, video and photo uh, on drones. That that's that's very uh, you know exciting area that's going to see more development as we move forward. But uh, recently, maybe again, uh, you've heard that uh, there is now officially something like Formula One for drones. It's called the Drone Racing League (DRL). And uh, they got a couple of millions financing and uh, they have custom built drones with uh, their own uh, radios for transmitting uh, the video. Uh, that That's going to be become much more awesome if you add uh, telepresence for the audience uh, to, to, to literally sit like a tiny Ant-Man on the drone and look around how like they're crashing into a wall or the other drone, you know, uh, racing together. So that, 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 that's something that, uh, I would love to see that you, you don't just have like a crappy, uh, analog video being transmitted to your goggle, but you have, uh, surround 360 content. And then, uh, you as an audience, just from wherever in the world, some like Twitch for drones, you, mm -hmm. you, you see what's going on from the perspective of the of the drone and you have freedom to look around can you maybe explain for our audience this digital and analog transmission thing is why is this you know so important you know yeah so um i think for um drone racing the most important thing is to have a very uh, low uh, amount of latency uh they, they do these kinds of crazy maneuvers and they go through tiny holes so they, oh, they yes. do they really do need impressive. to have near zero latency and uh, they use visual clues, so they don't need to enjoy the scenery. It's more about the uh, adrenaline in their blood, so they don't need high-quality video. The, the compromise here is that you, you get, uh, I don't know, 720 uh, TL, whatever, the old analog uh, standard uh, being transmitted with um, almost no latency uh, to your goggle. The issue there is that, uh, first of all, you have uh, very low quality, uh, that's why you see all of them have two cameras. They have a GoPro or something that captures full HD or 4K, but that's not real time. 
And another issue is uh, it, it, you have a limit to the number of people who use can use the spectrum. It's very limited the the unlicensed spectrum. Uh, to, to I think it's something like three, five, maximum eight people. You can do some tricks, uh, combine different frequencies to fly more people. But uh, it, it, you are probably going to see a switch to digital video, which gives you a very high quality, eventually a zero latency. Uh, but that that's a little bit expensive now. I think that the, the cheapest com commercial solution is from DJI that uh, they have a live low latency video transmission, but that's not good for racing. It's, it's just good for flying your drone FPV and shooting nice images. Yep. Uh, but there's, I think, an uh, Israeli company uh, who has a so-called zero latency mm. uh, digital full HD transmission, but their solutions are really expensive. It's a couple of thousand. Well, in fact, there is an intersection with virtual reality here because the reason why the Oculus still has a cable is because if you just look at the transmission rates you would need to have to send over the air the raw, you know, 2 or 4K video, and it's something like 6 to 9 gigabit. Wow, there you go. Yeah, and it's really I hadn't thought about. Uh, I was looking for some kind of wireless display uh, mm -hmm. transmitter for my laptop, and that's uh, fine. It, no, I think uh, it's getting better, but there's there's nothing that works like HDMI. You no. you, you can't play no. FPS no. games no. on no. Uh, on 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 your laptop with wireless no, display. So that's as long as this is not fixed, uh, you're not gonna have uh, cable less. Uh, uh, we are experienced. So the, 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 you're right. There's a, there's a synergies here, yeah. uh, but for drones, you need to also think about the the distances and sure. the occlusions, and sure. they go through sure. buildings. There's sure. concrete. There's wood. Everything. Definitely. Maybe, you know, multiple kind of systems like working together. One for you Some know it's close range. One it's one it's very far. Some kind of hybrid smart systems. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, that that's definitely very cool. Where I mean, we want HMDs to be completely wireless, and that's mm -hmm. probably one of the biggest uh, breaking of, of immersion is when you're stepping over the HTC Vive's like, cable and when you're standing yes. up and you're flinging <laughs> around. <laughs> that happened to me so That is really times. awkward. That, that's why I love <laughs> the yeah. uh, Samsung solution. Yes. So you just put it on your... The Gear table. VR. Yeah. That, that's, that's why we all love it, yeah. It's I mean, great. It doesn't have the capability of a computer for rendering. So I but I mean, for uh, just content, like just watching 4K, it's 360 fine, yeah. Uh, yeah. footage, that, that's fine. And, and exactly. I, I kind of have the feeling that at least for drones, that's going to be a, a big thing that you as soon as you have multiple ways to consume 360 content, you're going to see many uh, drone studios starting mm -hmm. shooting 360 exactly. content all around the world. Yeah, I think they will really support each other and this will be a you know, nice collaboration between the VR guys and the drone guys because both yeah. of their market is kind of, you know, supporting each other. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Um, so I, I think we could wrap it up here for yes. the drone part, but, you know, I'm open to having some kind of brainstorming about what's going to happen in future, what you guys uh, imagine seeing drones and... AR and virtual reality happening, you know, together maybe in five, ten years. I have two or three crazy ideas, but maybe first Azad can uh, share his no sure. thoughts. Uh, I mean, the one thing that's kind of been going through my mind with drones is, is like you said, the interaction method with it. 
Um, currently, we've been using just normal uh, flight sticks and just uh, things that we've taken from RC helicopters and planes and whatnot and retrofitted them here. The one thing we don't, and, and let's say we want to use motion controllers or whatnot, but like your reach only goes out to you know your arm's length and that's kind of as far as it goes. I've always been thinking about eye trackers and how we can use that better. Um, and actually one application I was thinking is by using eye trackers, you can actually place markers, uh, far, far ahead, uh, kind of like the augmented reality, uh, drone that you were talking about. Um, I mean, that is kind of your, the biggest problem with interaction is that you can't, you don't actually have reach that is that far. So by using your eyes, uh, and you, you need a system that's smart enough to understand, you know, when you're inputting something versus when you're looking at something. Um, I know there's some advancements happening there. Uh, you know, what, what, would, what do you think of something like that where you just look at somewhere, you place a marker there and you see your drone go by there while you're doing other tasks? <laughs> you just publicly announced the topic of my thesis. <laughs> oh, shit. <Well. laughs> no way. Okay. Wow. What? So, that's Yeah, tell us more about that. That sounds um, awesome. I mean, it, this is relevant for me because uh, before starting my company, I was uh, doing uh, um, input modality research for drones. And we, we had poor students here for their first time mostly. And we gave them different ways to control drones. It was touch. It was uh, the like real sense kind of thing and uh, you know, normal sticks and also joystick. Um, what um, uh, I, I couldn't do back then was to actually use uh, eye tracking or gaze tracking or head tracking. In fact, head tracking is going to be enough for the beginning. I mean, if you want to simplify it a little bit, you you don't really uh, need to have your eyes at such a, a long distance. So you just move your head and then that could be enough. How can you explain that? I mean, how would you? So imagine you have like a vector going out of your uh, Microsoft Hololens um, head-mounted uh, goggle thingy, and just a static, straight, uh, perpendicular. Yeah, like kind a of vector. like a virtual vector going out of okay. your head, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, you can look around. In fact, it's it's better to not use the your your uh, gaze. Uh, you need it for something else. It might be in search and rescue scenario where. You need to have a saccade. You need to look at things in front of you. But at the same time, there's that, you know, poor boy or lady somewhere, you know, far that you, you can't reach yourself. Uh, so you just uh, fixate on that point and then you have some options. Uh, you select an option, let's say rescue, deliver, emergency kit or something. And then uh, what you need to have is, first of all, uh, to uh, transform your uh, reference uh, with, uh, with the drone. So you need to know exactly where you are staying, so the, the things that you need, where I am, where I am looking at, and where is the drone exactly. So if, if you have all, all these things, and then so the drone can find out exactly where it should go. What is missing here, and as you said, is you need to have some kind of uh, landmark detection or object detection. Uh, it could be uh, either uh, based on just uh, RGB data, or it could be um, something like a combination of your uh, absolute position with your heading, and then you have the ground plane, you get it out. So you don't necessarily need object recognition. There are different ways to do it. Uh, and then the drone uh, has its own sensor suite. 
so it can uh, uh, do obstacle avoidance, navigate itself, go to the point and deliver something. Uh, th th I think this is going to be very useful, uh, especially for uh, inspection, industrial inspection, for search and rescue, uh, and eventually also for the battlefield. Uh, the last one, probably you've seen it from Call of Duty already, mm -hmm. uh, but um, it, it's quite exciting to to have also new ways of interacting with drones, not, not just the drone itself becoming intelligent. Uh, that's probably going to be the only way we interact with them that we don't interact at all. I call this ZUI, zero user interface, because the drone is so mm -hmm. smart, it doesn't need to get anything from you. But I like a ZUI. That's a great term, actually. <laughs> yeah, but hashtag ZUI. And uh, <laughs> people on Twitter follow us, hashtag Zui. Exactly. And and uh, and uh, but but in in short term, you are going to need to interact with drones, and you need to uh, you know g give them high level commands instead of just using a control stick, move left, right, up, down. That that's really old school. So uh, I, I hope to see this happening, and I, I hope I can yeah. be a part of it. I think that's a great point, and people often forget this, even with self-driving cars and whatnot, it's that, okay, they're becoming autonomous, yes, but that doesn't mean it's completely, you don't have to input with it at all. It just does everything. I mean, it still needs, like you said, high-level commands uh, if you want to do something, if you want to change something, if you want to even see where it's going and what it's doing. Like, there is going to be some... To still a little bit of an interface between you and the system because you want that uh, confidence of the user of to know what's what the the system itself is doing. Otherwise, it's it's a scary technology, you know. And otherwise, then you have Terminator like drones and whatnot. Like you you don't you don't want to scare someone. You, you, still you don't want autistic the, drones that have no way of <laughs> communicating with humans. Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. And the, the more the more they become autonomous, the more you still have your way of controlling things like that that's no one's taking that part away they're just taking away the the silly hard and repetitive motion stuff that takes to fly a drone let's say yeah yeah I, I, it's 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 in fact a completely new paradigm in human computer interaction or human robot interaction that uh things have so much autonomy in near future that uh, a lot of the previous interfaces are going to be redundant. So you, you don't need 95% of all the buttons and displays and everything that you have now. Um, voice is one way. It's a you know classic method of interacting with all kinds of creatures, including robots. Hey but, Siri. Yeah, hey Siri. Uh, <laughs> okay, Google. Yeah. No, no, no! Don't yeah. take my phone off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but 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 you also have a, a lot of scenarios where you are in real world, and 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 uh, you could use the environment itself as your interface. Absolutely. Um, I had another question, but I forgot it. So, Peter, you go with yours. Well, when we were preparing this episode with Nima, I was uh, having this crazy idea where, imagine, like, this is a stupid example, but let's say you have paintball, right? A lot of people are running around and there are some huge air pillars, they are behind shooting at each other. And let's say <laughs> there are 300 drones around them mapping this mm -hmm. whole place completely in life. And you could have, you know, some kind of VR representation or augmented reality representation of it. Because if we think about the HoloLens, I mean, okay, it has two Kinects inbuilt, so it can track the room. But let's say if you start to run around an unknown environment, it will have some certain problems, you know. Okay, is it now a wall? Is it a building? Is it glass? You know, it 
needs kind of to understand it. And if right. you have, let's say, a huge swarm of those drones, you know, flying around, mapping everything, then you could have some very interesting augmented reality happening, you know. I mean, it always depends on how long can the drone flies mm. and things, but... I don't know if we need drones for that. I mean, couldn't you just put those cameras? <laughs> I said on the, the same stick, thing, right? but but, but right, he has okay. he has a point. Uh, the, yeah. If you're in the middle unknown of a jungle, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're yeah. in, in a completely unknown environment, exactly. it's never been scanned before. Uh, there is a middle ground between no drone and 300 drone. You could have, let's say, five drones yes. flying around, scanning the environment, and then repeating this every 10 minutes. So if there is a, a non-static object which is moved you and you uh, refresh it in your, let's say, virtual battlefield map uh, for your... Well, let's say guys. there is a secret, you know, agent who is, you know, masked as a stone and you map the whole, you know, forest every 10 minutes and you see, okay, the stone is slowly crawling towards <laughs> me. That's suspicious. <laughs> mm. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're getting to the point of like, literally tracking huge amounts of space around us right like that's that's huge <laughs> yes not not huge mm. as bernie sanders says huge amount huge. <laughs> huge. <laughs> yes. Wait, you guys know bernie sanders is hey, guy, well, everybody go vote for bernie sanders please uh, <laughs> as an iranian uh, no, no, for, no. for word peace I endorse Bernie Sanders here. I would like oh, no. to troll and say go vote for Donald Trump, but I will be careful with that. <laughs> you know what I'm no, going for Michael gonna Bloomberg. Podcast, no, we, we are very, you know, independent and we are not particularly for one party here. We are, you know, do whatever you think is right, just think about the consequences. But, um, but by the way, if, um, if you're interested in robotics, AI, power, and politics, follow me on Twitter. It's inside nice. Nima at sign yes. inside Nima. So we'll plug you in the show notes. Okay. That sounds a little. Um. <laughs> it's 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 inside of Nima. It's inside of the upper hemisphere of Nima. Is it Caspian Robotics? Is is the name of your? Oh no, that's that's just Caspian Robotics Twitter. Because um, I typed in inside Nima and Caspian Robotics came up. Yeah, I don't know. We'll put it in the notes. Yes, yeah, definitely. Put it in show notes. Um, okay, guys, so, let's end it slowly. And wait, 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 wait. No, no hold nope. up. We're we're having a wonderful conversation. I have a, I have a, oh. a one like one more one or two sure, more things sorry. I want to ask you sorry. about. Um, if it, we'll keep this short, sh uh, no, fine, short under an hour. Anyway. Uh, what about photogrammetry is something I've been really getting into. Um, I don't know if you've done that much, but like the ability to map out, you know, everything from a, an object to your room to an actual city is huge. Um, and it's people a are huge been, market. It's very huge. And, um, I mean, I even saw, I've seen companies doing kind of like VR tourism now where they do a photogrammetry, uh, scan of, let's say a, a German castle, like these, these, it's a cool company called realities.io. They're in the boost VC incubator right now. Um, and they're mapping out, a. a castles and then basically placing you as a as a person there like where do you see this going because photogrammetry really did start with drones i believe for gis kind of applications and now people are like oh we can use this for 3d modeling we can use this for whatever um i mean have you had much experience with it and yeah yeah it's, and it's, do you use it for your company it's a uh, we we had a, a spin-off product with velodyne for this uh not for photogrammetry but for mapping with lidars uh 
you have you're serving the same customers at the end. Uh, the difference is with uh, point clouds that come out of lidars, laser scanners. You just get depth data with you know a couple of more things that you can extract, uh, like but the no textures, no texture, no color, uh, photogrammetry. Uh, you you almost always have uh, some texture. You could have different uh, types of cameras, but uh, it, it's it's a uh, large chunk of the whole drone market now that people use drones uh, with GPS, just a camera to map everywhere, like uh, construction sites, they uh, could use uh, the data on a daily basis to have a new refreshed map of the whole environment. I think a very good company there that I like is a drone deploy. They have a fully cloud-based solution. Uh, there is Pix4D. It's, it's a Swiss company. Uh, they're, I think, the oldest company and the, maybe the best. Uh, so that that is uh, very commercialized. I haven't personally seen uh, much uh, in entertainment. Uh, so uh, to have like virtual tourism, that that's a very cool idea. Um, one, one issue that uh, I have always uh, felt the, you have with photogrammetry is is the quality after you stitch the photos uh, when you mm-hmm. don't have any uh, LiDAR and you just have uh, maybe IMU and just the camera, it, it's never perfect. It, it's it's uh, more crappy than perfect. So it, it's not consumable. Um, maybe it's going to get better if they combine something like real sense depth sensors with uh, texture. Uh, it might be actually usable, uh, but in in short term, just three sixty video is uh, going to be huge. Uh, and then later, uh, virtual tourism. So uh, literally having the ability to pilot the drone. Uh, that's that's the next thing, really. Nice. Um, another thing, um, I don't know how the German kind of uh, airspace is handled, but the FAA here is, mm-hmm. is um, actually, I think the, it's, it's much, need, much needed regulations as, as big as big of a fan I am of like, you know, freedom and everything, but like, you're still going to have idiots doing a lot yes. of idiotic things like flying them into, you know, World Trade, or not the World Trade Center, <coughs> to the Empire State <coughs> Building, to <laughs> to the White House, whatever. So they're, they're, I think what they're doing is, the, num- the numbers might be off that I'm saying here, but they're cre- essentially creating this zone uh, in between 100 feet to like 200 feet uh, where you can fly your camera, camera drone, you can fly your Amazon drone, delivery drone, everything, and then from I think 300 to 400 feet is um, no fly zone and then from 400 feet and up is manned aerial aircraft so like basically we're gonna have different layers of flying things um i mean what do you what do you think about that and and how is europe handling it or how is germany doing doing that as well uh i think until one one year ago or even less uh, like half a year ago europe was ahead of us uh regarding the regulation but there's been so much lobbying and, and VC money going into uh, drone startups in, in the Bay Area that they've pushed FAA to their limits. Like they're, they're almost privatizing yeah. FAA, I think. Uh, they're doing a whole whole lot of projects with different uh, companies like Google, Amazon, Flirtree. Everybody's trying to uh, you know take a piece of it. Um, it definitely makes sense to have uh, virtual corridors in the air. So uh, you mm-hmm. know uh, 
even before taking off where I can and I cannot fly. Um, And augmented reality would be perfect for that, to actually see that 3D space kind of um, painted for you to kind of follow. Oh, right. Yeah. If you have a human being. So I'm I'm, uh, strongly opposed to having humans in the loop for drones because (laughs) you can't sit inside the drone. So the, the quality of data and piloting, it's never going to be as good as like a helicopter pilot. You're not inside it. You don't have the, yeah. com- the complete presence. Um, but um, yeah, it makes sense to have a segregated airspace. And Amazon, I think, is is uh, really pushing for that. In Europe, uh, the issue is you have different uh, countries with their own mm-hmm. regulation. There was uh, a, a, meet, a large meeting in Riga a couple of months ago or half a year ago that they uh, laid out the you know, plan for unified uh, European regulations for uh, UAS uh, or drones, basically. But it's as far as I've seen, it doesn't look very good. So it's worse than what we have now in Germany. But at least it's going to be unified. What, what uh, I think uh, is going to be implemented is a limit to, to the weight, uh, total uh, weight of the drone, including cargo. Mm. Uh, so that that's going to be the the main factor uh, dividing hobby drones and then commercial why, drones. Why would they do that? I mean, what's the thought process behind it? So, so you don't can. fly people or bombs or like what's the? <sighs> but, uh, you know, just uh, limiting the risk. Uh, if you have a drone with fifty kilogram payload and it falls down even from ten meters. Uh, on a car, it's a different scenario than when you have a limit of two kilogram or four kilogram. So uh, So it's just physics at some point. There is an issue here with uh, the difference between uh, the force and the weight uh, that I think French people uh, are more sophisticated there. So they they also take into account the speed at the impact and like they, Mm. they put some limits there. But um, so I think there's going to be a higher limit uh, for commercial applications, very strict, some like 20, 25 kilogram. That's the max that you can go. And if you're above four or five kilogram, uh, you usually do not get a, a, a permanent uh, a permission of flight. So you need to ask every time. And that, that's, uh, that was really bad for our business because if you have an autonomous drone and you need two weeks to ask for permission to be autonomous, it's, it's not a business anymore. Uh, so uh, at least for the next three to five years in Europe, you're not going to see uh, anything that allows complete autonomy beyond line of sight. So this B loss, uh, or VLOS, these two terms, they're very important. It's if you can fly beyond your visual line of sight, like it's usually between 100 to 500 meters, depending on weather condition. Um, so these are a couple of factors that uh, need to be taken into account. But um, people are doing business like manually flying drones for weddings and inspection. Uh, drone delivery is not yet a reality anywhere. Uh, yesterday, Iran uh, even uh, had uh, the first drone delivery program announced. Uh, Digicala, oh, which is our kind of Amazon, it's a clone of Amazon. They announced the competition. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm going to support one or two teams in Iran to to participate Absolutely, in man. this. <laughs> and Send us a link. I'd love to take a look. Actually, 
Yeah, I'll send you a link. It, it, I think it's in Persian, but I, I hope you, you, there Google will be translate. something in English. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think uh, all the larger companies are also getting into drones, like Airbus. I know personally, they want to have wow. a drone delivery program. So that's okay. That's happening. I'm glad. To, I'm happy to hear that. It's not. Well, let's just say there are some cases where it's like really super interesting. Let's say someone needs a heart transplant, right? Or you need suddenly blood in terms of an emergency. I mean, mm-hmm. despite costs and everything, you really need to deliver this, you know, fragile thing very fast. And there, I mean, it makes sense to make it, you know, even super expensive because mm-hmm. it saves lives, and you know, mm-hmm. it's still cheaper than a helicopter flying it. Yeah. Know? So. <laughs> But, you know, getting my cigarettes in the night or a pack of condoms, I'm still suspicious. <laughs> that, that's an idea. We have to do a startup. You know. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you on, go. On yeah. Magic yeah. Uber for condoms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, there, there, there are actually those delivery services out now that you, you just use. You actually just text them. You know, one is called, like, Get Magic, and you just text yeah, them. Yeah, like, that, hey, that, that's, that's a, the like, Silicon yeah. Valley kind of convenience right, right. that you have there. <laughs> Super strange. You have underwear delivery in U.S., yeah, uh-huh. you, you just text the guy anything. They 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 do everything for you. Like you, they do. Yeah. Even <laughs> even Facebook M, <laughs> even Facebook M Messenger, which is yes. their AI thing. Yeah. That's yes. what it can do as well. You just type things to it. But I think they're using a lot of like human a operators lot, yes. behind it. Yes, <laughs> it's like what the hell? Like that doesn't matter. What's the yeah. point? The, if, <laughs> yeah. if if it if it makes financial sense for them to hire people, yeah. why not? Send my mother flowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, in a busy of- world, you know, you're in Silicon Valley, you're working 24-7, you know, you barely have time to eat. Well, okay, you also outsource things like sending flowers to your lover. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, for closing thoughts, I, I'm i sure you saw this, Nima, at CES, is that there's this Chinese uh, company that's creating this really big drone, right? Uh, and that it's, I, I believe, completely autonomous as well. But, like, it's a person that actually can sit inside and fly and it's funny because like i was thinking you know 20 50 60 years ago we were thinking of flying cars as the way to go but turns out that's like we're taking a really big thing and trying to make it fly and then now we're starting off with very small things and making that little bit bigger and bigger bigger so that we can sit in and fly it so the approach actually is really the difference that's really making it true because there's yeah i mean the would first you People to do this were, in fact, from Germany, and they were quite successful with a crowdfunding, equity-based crowdfunding campaign. But as always, uh, I think we're going to have a, another podcast about the glass ceiling and the exactly. situation with funding in Europe. I hope I, I can yes. add something there. But nobody knows about these poor guys. It's called Evolo. Uh, the drone is called Evolo. Uh, they're now, I think, a part of uh, Ascending Technologies, which was bought by Intel. So they, they tried to do it first with more uh, rotors. Uh, but what I personally don't completely get is why we don't have freaking electro- electric helicopters. I mean, uh, helicopters are, are safer at the end. Yes. They have this uh, ability to auto rotate and then you know, you know not just fall down into a stall like mm. a stone but but you know it's it's all you know innovation and it's cool so uh i i i think it's going to be uh practical maybe in 2 3 years for tourism instead of c- cable cars you could have a whole bunch of these yeah. drones that are semi autonomous and then they fly you around a mountain or something well, I mean, regards, um, you know, how you will move in the future, 
in a certain point, I mean, you need to have a huge battery. And even this thing from CES is actually you now capable of, I think, eight kilometers or something to fly. It's really not much. So, no, no. I mean, heli helicopters are way more efficient. Helicopters just... are way more efficient. However, you still need a huge battery that is, you know, very dangerous to have with you. I no, mean, but it's, it's the, with the same amount of battery, sure. a helicopter flies longer. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. just. It's just physics. If you if you, yeah. you have one large surface oh, instead nice. of a lot of tiny things, even with th this size of drone, I mean, the mm -hmm. audience doesn't see the picture, but yeah, it's Ehang it, 184. Uh, it, it has, I think the props look like being some like 30 inches maybe yeah. or 20 yeah. something. Uh, these are Small. these types of motors are much more efficient than tiny rotors of, I don't know, 10, 12 uh uh, inch so mm -hmm. it just scales up and okay. that that's why helicopters are more efficient at the end well i mean tesla just announced some rumors yeah we'll have to go yeah elon musk mm -hmm. no i don't have to go i just meant for for the you know no, no, yeah, no, yeah, don't worry fine, about the time we're, we're we are so a podcast okay. now, as long as we are not getting you know stones <laughs> to us delivered by people no, it's fine. Uh, Elon Musk, actually, uh, you know, he builds this Tesla stuff, and there are rumors that the next Tesla will, compared to the ones they have now, which cost 120K in dollars, I think. Up, upwards of yeah, which, exactly. yeah. Exactly. The new one they will start at cost 80. 35. Mm -hmm. And that's before government rebates. And 35 is really cheap. But this has nothing to do with drones. I it thought has, you wanted to has, talk about the has, vertical airplane. It that has, <laughs> because battery. <laughs> But I, I heard true. Elon Musk talked about a, a vertical takeoff electric airplane. Whoa. That this no. guy is is no. crazy. I mean, he's he is. Iron Man is nothing compared to him. Listen, if he's making capsules that will come back from space and then land themselves down, then I'm guessing he can make something that can also shoot itself up and then land as well. Like that, they're just making very, very big drones and very expensive. But, but drones. here, the 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 difference is uh, their customer is NASA. NASA has a lot of money yeah. to waste, and even being 10x not cheaper, really. it's not wasting. I mean, <laughs> even having no, no, they really don't have much money. Prices compared to what they paid uh, earlier mm. is is a still huge amount no but but the, it's not it's just one thousand dollars per kilogram it's very cheap yeah it's much cheaper it's than what nasa has been doing what, what i meant was uh, compare this target market with uh commercial airliners and it's a completely non-profitable industry commercial airlines no they're they're one of the worst i think just the pro annual profit of Google alone was yeah, more than sure. the combined profit of the whole U.S. commercial airliners. Sure, but I mean, so bringing it, things to space is very lucrative. I mean, yeah. you have those days uh, satellites that are due to you know development of technology. You call them, I think, nano or micro uh, satellites. They're like very yeah. yeah, you have like very small cubes, and I mean. If you know it costs you thousand dollars to bring this thing up to the space, well, you can shoot That's, ten. You, know, you should shoot up tens of them. You know, just do something. Yeah, but I mean about a vertical electric airplane yeah. that probably is going to sell it to the same audience of rich Silicon Valley dudes uh, first, yeah, and then uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. But. Sure. Uh, you know, in that field, it's not an electric airplane, but I've seen this. Uh, I wish I can remember what it was called, but basically it's a very small plane, uh, $150,000 mm -hmm. only, and it starts in the water and you can just mm -hmm. fly, you know, just running around in water and then it can take off and you can fly up to, I think about a hundred or 150 feet. That, that one was great. Um, 
Peter and I are going to save our money to buy one. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, it looked amazing. Like, you can just have the window open. You can stick your head outside as you're flying around like a bird. It it had this this, uh, feature that didn't let you flip the airplane. It had some kind of safety (laughs) feature. Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah, it was beginner friendly. Let's buy one. Definitely, yeah. The audience, if if all of you donate 10,000 euro... Uh, we're going we to buy go. some we of them. We yeah. can buy Support one art. of these things, and then we we'll let you take a photo with it. <laughs> okay, Nima. Um, for for closing, I want to ask you a short, quick thing. Where do you see the industry being in the next five years? Just very simple. I think ten years is a little hard to predict. Although you can put out your uh, predictions for that as well. But f- next five years, I think, is a concrete amount of time that you probably have some good understanding of where it's going. Um, I assume you, you meant the drone things? industry, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, what, that's your industry. Uh, so, think from what I've seen uh, already from 2018 19, uh, hopefully, we're going to have uh, more autonomy friendly regulations in Europe, at least. That's what I know. Um, so, when they say 2018 19, you should count on 2022. It's just the Garmin stuff, so mm-hmm. uh, it fits into the next five years uh, that you ask. I think uh, what's going to happen is that you're going to see um, not door-to-door delivery drones, but you're going to see um, emergency and long-distance uh, delivery with uh, drones. Um, they are going to be in ubiquitous in, in Africa because they don't have uh, the infrastructure that we have in Germany. So things that don't make commercial sense here in Europe might eventually make sense in Africa and other uh, developing countries. Definitely. Um, And uh, I think the augmented reality industry is going to uh, go uh, even further than uh, what we can imagine. Uh, you just look at the funding numbers for Magic Leap. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Another unicorn. Who knows what they're cooking up? They're already a unicorn. So I think uh, the robotics industry could also benefit from that. You, you don't have these kinds of unicorns in the drone space. It's just, it's just too much hype. Uh, I think DJI is right now. They're over a billion, I believe. Yeah, but it's, it's just a consumer, consumer product mostly. Uh, so... It's going to be really exciting to see more autonomy coming from the AR uh, industry and research uh, to the drone space and then the other way around. So I think it's going to be a very nice symbiosis from in between these two industries. Do you see, will we have drones that when you go on a family vacation, uh, you just throw up there and it starts circling around you for like an hour or two as you're sitting at the beach with your either family? Is that a something that we can all have in the next five years uh depends on the battery yeah i I I think i mean commercially if you look at the um the factories that are being built for that time scope they they do not seem to have a dramatically different technology than what we have now maybe it's going to be 20 percent 30 percent uh more efficient and give you longer endurance but not like you know, infinite one one hour is almost infinite for these <laughs> tiny drones. Uh, yeah, and you don't really need one hour. If if you have half an hour, 
with some kind of smart combination of vertical takeoff convertibles and then fixed wing, uh, that's already enough. You just need peace of mind that your drone is not going to fall into the ocean. Let's quote Bill Gates 20 years ago, who in their mind would need two megabytes of RAM? Two, two megabytes <laughs> of RAM. Yeah, you said it once. I, I already regret that quote. my laptop has eight yeah, gigabytes. Yeah, yeah. So, so. You know, who in their mind needs one hour of flight with a drone? Yeah, no, the more is better, but yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, you compared I mean, me to Bill Gates. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's, um, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I guys. Guess we are well, right. Maybe a short think. announcement before we thank our lovely guest Nima. Mm. Actually, no. yeah, because he might join us on a secret, suspicious, and amazing, uh, soon-to-be, possibly happening podcast that we are planning behind the curtains. I mean, tune in. Maybe it's the next one, or the next next one, or maybe the next 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 one will be the next it's going to be more uh maybe in a business oriented exactly it will be very business oriented but business oriented completely on vr yeah. so drones won't be such a hot yeah. topic there anymore that's why we actually did this topic with drones so nima is a little bit you know more patient next time we have him here <laughs> with another special guest so we will announce that time yeah so he can you know focus more on the investment and other things well cool Then, uh, as again, we mentioned it many times, please retweet us, follow us. We have Research VR Cast on Twitter. Write us emails, comment our stuff if you like it, if you don't like it, especially too. You know, spread the word that we are here. If you have any suggestions, go on. Yeah, and just leave the podcast playing when you take shower, even if you don't listen to it. Just It's good for having statistics. Uh, well, <laughs> just download it. That's enough. <laughs> you can rate us on iTunes. If you have an iTunes account, go now instantly to iTunes and give us mm -hmm. ratings. And more importantly, just let us know what you think. I mean, if we're doing it right, if we're doing it wrong, uh, what would you like to see more of? I mean, we kind of took a little uh, sidestep from VR today with drones, but I mean, obviously the, the overlap is um, is apparent, but so yeah let us know um this has been a really fun thing for us to do uh as you can probably tell we are all sounding better this episode we all got new microphones and headphones and and podcasting rigs yeah we feel quite professional now so it's a learning process and i'm glad you guys are here to join us on the way for um on the way to um Stardom, yes, we're going to be celebrities very, very soon. <laughs> sure, <Maybe>. definitely. <laughs> In the podcast. So next, Bill All Gates, right. Nima Ashkari, and uh, Azad Balabanian, the next, you know, UI guru. We have the names for it, so yeah. <laughs> the unpronounceable <laughs> names. That's that's okay. what will make us stars. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining, Nima. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, goodbye. All right. Bye. Ciao.